I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. You knew that you clicked on it, or maybe somebody like is playing it behind you, like standing somewhere, so you didn't know it. I don't know, but um, we're back. It's another week. It's another episode. Um, this is a uh, a journey down the rabbit hole of distribution. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we touched on it a little bit when we were uh, back at Cellar Dweller uh, a month or two, or whenever that was. Um, we kind of we kind of played around a little bit in the in the distribution world, and um, we figured we needed to uh, to dive back into it. It's um, been how long was it since we were here last time? Was it um, like a, we were just open last time you we were here, so it's probably been about fourteen months. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I would say that there's lots more furniture. It's still pretty sparse in here. Yeah, we don't really <laughs> it's use still very this. warehouse. We don't really use this <laughs> space that much. Uh, this there, is, there is a little bit of a uh, a little uh, a couch and a nice little coffee table now. Yeah, yeah. Well, like that's what we said. The real office. I think Jim Cook said the the real office is in the market. So we don't. We try not to get too comfortable here. I turned the heat on for you, though. <laughs> well, so. I appreciate that. Although anything after, so with my day job, to not go into too many details, I work outside almost exclusively. And so it's just been a really cold, miserable day. And uh, even if the heat was was off in here, it would still feel warm to me and, uh, and cozy. So, But thank you anyways. Hey, not a problem. <laughs> um, uh, we're at Adina. So, Michael, welcome back to the show. Um, this is number three for you, I guess. This Does is that number sound right? three, yeah. Um, you're working working your way up there to being a regular. I hope, you know, I, that's, it's, it's a goal, you know. I, uh, when we started the show, you know, we've, we've talked to a lot of people that make beer and a lot of people that uh, work in tap rooms and that kind of thing, our own breweries. And we had always talked about wanting to dive into some of those other sides of this industry a lot. So it's exciting to be able to do that now, especially with a company like Adina that um, is still a very local company. And yeah. um, it's, a, it's a fun world. So, we're going to dive into all of that. We need to drink a beer, though, because um, after today, I need a beer. <laughs> there are times where you want a beer, and there's times where you need one. Uh, so, I'll just open up this fridge. That's right. It's an actual beer fridge. beer fridge. It's an actual beer fridge that um, looks like it came out of somebody's dorm room. <laughs> oh, you, you know it came out of someone's dorm room because... The last time I was on here, it I has, told you whose dorm room it came it out of. It has more stickers on it this time, though. Uh, we do. We've actually, we, the whole idea was we were going to add a sticker to the beer fridge um, every time we got uh, a new brewery. I've actually been pretty bad about that, but I did just get Illuminated uh, sticker on there, and they're a new brewery from us. Yes, I don't know anything about Illuminated. So this will be one of those episodes where we'll probably talk a little bit about some breweries that aren't Cincinnati breweries. If that's okay. Because I'm curious about some of them. So. And, you know, uh, we're local, like you said. That's right. And we sell those beers. So, well, And I think that um, I don't know if it's shifting back or if it, it never really left, but I definitely notice more um, people drinking beers that aren't Cincinnati beers and being uh, a little more okay with that than they were for a little while there. And I don't know if it's just... Like I said, I, noticing I, it or no? That's that's definitely the case. Um, I think you kind of saw for us at least that you know local is very. We're just cracked open a pot still porter from Wooden Cask, brand new beer from mm-hmm. them. Um, so people are still drinking local. It's still a very important uh, part of the market. But it is the case that there's a lot of breweries out there that are making beer uh, that you can't get locally. Um, 
and there are people that are still interested in that. And so I, th I think that, and I, there's, you, you, without having experienced other breweries from other parts of the country, I feel like you never really have a full beer education. It's, um, I feel like we, obviously we live in a really exciting city and it's a really fun city that we don't necessarily have to drink beer that's not from here because we do have such great beer in Cincinnati, but it is really exciting and really fun to kind of venture out of that a little bit and kind of see some of the things that um, the other places are doing. Maybe be it trends that are happening other places that might not be happening here, or maybe there's things that other cities are doing better than us. I, you know, I'm not <laughs> going to go that far, but um, what do you know about this beer? Um, Cause this I, beer, I know nothing. Um, it is a barrel aged English brown porter. Um, I know we are, we don't even have it in our warehouse yet. I was just at wooden cask talking to Randy and Karen. So and, um, is this their, I guess their new porter put into barrels? Maybe uh, no, something it like is, that? It's, it's its own, it's separate... own, um, it's, uh, it's own beer. I know that they have done pot still porter has been a standalone beer that they've done at their tap room. Um, but I, this is, I think it's much higher ABV than if you just put new porter in, uh, into barrels. So the stuff I'm seeing online is probably the stuff that they've done just in their tap room before it's, it says eight and a half percent on there, which I'm assuming this is, I believe that's, it's a little bit higher than that. Usually, um, uh, uh, Randy has a, mm -hmm. uh, a habit of when he puts something in a barrel, it usually picks up a little bit too. <laughs> well, he's just going down the street, so it doesn't take it doesn't take him very long to get those barrels usually, and there's usually quite a bit of uh, of bourbon in there. This one, I'm actually, it's a very uh, has a very mild vanilla character. Doesn't doesn't really hit you over the head with the whiskey at all, especially given that this just came out of the barrels. Yeah, that's fun. It. Uh, I get a lot more whiskey in the uh, in the aroma mm -hmm. than I do when I taste it. There's no um, burn. I know on, on some of them you definitely taste the whiskey and it, it smacks you upside the head. Mm -hmm. um, this one it, it, it's got a nice uh, nice woody thing going on still too that I sometimes gets lost in some of these beers. Um, it's good. It's delicious. I'm I'm really happy with what they're doing with barrels there. I mean, just given um, you know where they are and. Uh, you know their relationship that they have with uh, their barrel suppliers. It's really it's really cool to see them kind of. They've I can't really talk about some of the things we talked about today, <laughs> um, but I, I kind of want to, so they have to do them now. Um, but they're they're really their barreling program is something that they want to uh, expand on and kind of make a big. Believe deal. the last time I stopped down there and talked to him, um, he teased a couple. Um, sour things that he was thinking of oh, putting yeah. in some some wine punchins and stuff like that. I guess they're punchins. Those big ass barrels that used to be in the middle of the tap room. I guess yeah. they're they're wine punchins. He talked a little bit about that, and so there's there's definitely some fun things kind of coming down the pike from them that uh, um, I'll be excited to see how that not only how how the that the beer itself comes out, but um, how it's presented to the city. I think that uh, um, as wooden cask is kind of grown up and kind of settled in a little bit it's fun to see them kind of rethinking kind of the way they present themselves to people and um well yeah it's gonna be fun yeah uh, definitely for sure and they just got barbecue in the tap room oh uh, yeah drunken hog and drunken uh, hog yeah definitely um, wouldn't it be fun if uh <laughs> those guys collaborated on a beer wouldn't that be neat <laughs> 
Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think that not that the the farm stand cafe wasn't didn't have good food when they were in there, but there is something about barbecue and beer that is just perfect to go together. Especially some of the beer that he makes down there is just it's yeah. perfect like barbecue beer. Like it's 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 fantastic. I mean that's definitely and, and you know we're we don't make any money off of it, but you guys should go down and check out that tap room. It is a fun place. It's a great place to see a show. It is a great place to eat barbecue. It is a great place to <laughs> just hang out. It is, yeah. The last time I stopped in um, was, this was, I was probably a month or, I guess probably two months ago or so, but um, I stopped in randomly meeting somebody after work and I walked into um, some kind of drag bingo or something. Are you joking? I am not joking at wow. all. In wooden cask. Really? <laughs> I walked Good. in and I, I looked mean. and I said, what? <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there, but that's interesting. <laughs> and I saw Randy and I said, Randy, what's going on? He's like, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds right. <laughs> it was interesting. That's but again, very, uh, very um, different for what you would think of for what Wooden Cask is. Well, so. I think that's actually a great point because, I mean, if you go down there and you, you, you know, there's definitely, it's not just, you know, some, it's not just a place off the levee or something like that. There really is some cool stuff going on there. And um, like I said, I mean, it, I mean, to your point, there's a lot of different things that that, are, that could be happening on a, on a given night. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about um, where you guys are at now versus where you were the last time we were here, which we'll count 14 months ago versus just when we were at Settler Dweller because we really didn't get a good chance to dive in then. Um, the cooler's working. The cooler, that's good. Yeah. That is an important step. It's, um, let me just knock on wood. <laughs> it has worked every single day. Not all day, every day, but uh, every single day it's worked. We haven't had a lot of problems with it. <laughs> um, yeah, we have two salespeople. We got a full-time operations guy. We have a part-time driver. We have, um, I think, currently in this warehouse, 11 brands. Um that's, we've, a, that's yeah. a pretty decent amount of brands, considering it's only been a year ish. Yeah, it's we've had it. We've had a total of we sold a total of nineteen different breweries. About seventeen of them were for non-event purposes, right? As well, so we had two. We had two that we brought in just for events. I mean, that's still that's a, that's a that's a pretty decent number in my head, and mm-hmm. I don't know because I, I again we don't really have like a good. Um, picture to look at here in Cincinnati of, oh, here's what, you know, a small independent distributor, this is what that looks like. Not, I, I, I yeah. don't know what that actually looks like. I just, in my head, I have this picture of what it, that means. It, it but. depends. Um, you know, we've, we kind of look around the country at, uh, you know, what, cause I mean, in Cincinnati, it's just us. No one else is doing what we're doing uh, in Cincinnati. So we have to kind of look nationally and see what else other people are doing. Some people have smaller brands. Some people have, um, or smaller number of brands. And some people, you know, have a ton of brands that they just bring in, you know, on occasion. Right. What we like to have good relationships with our, our breweries. And really, I like that I know most of uh, the people who own our breweries um, that we're able to bring in. Um, I think it's important to have that connection. Uh, and, and it's better to be a. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more cautious about who you partner with and to kind of say yes to anyone. Cause I think that's where you can get a lot of, in a lot of trouble. Um, well, especially in a city like Cincinnati. And I, I know that it's, it's different on the Kentucky side versus the Ohio side, but you know, 
you can self-distribute if you want to as an Ohio brewery. Mm-hmm. And to some some extent with Kentucky, you can't do it events and things like that, right? There's some kind of thing there where they, I don't know I how have that no works. Idea. But um, <laughs> Andy Reynolds will send me an email tomorrow explaining to me the law. <laughs> um, I guess not tomorrow when the show posts. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, the point I'm trying to make is as a Ohio brewery, at least, you you can distribute your own beer. You can have that control over that side of your business if you want to go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But when you're partnering up with a distributor, like you want somebody that still has that feeling almost, somebody that you, you trust and you, you're trusting with your brand and that is out there representing you properly and not, not screwing you over in the way that some of these other places can. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it being a good steward uh, of a brand... Uh, is very important, and I think that you've seen that. Uh, you know, in some cases, the same distributor has been a good steward of one brand and, and maybe a poor steward right. of another brand. Um, you know, we we find, I mean, in Ohio specifically, um, there is oftentimes not a ton uh, that we can really offer uh, breweries. I think that, uh, or that's probably the, a bad way to put it, but it, it feels to me sometimes that. Um, cellar dwellers unique situation. Um, and that's a, that's a very positive situation for right. us and for them. Um, I was just looking at our 2019 numbers. I was very happy with, uh, what we've been able to do in a actually pretty short period of time, uh, with cellar dweller. I think they're happy with it too. I, well, I mean, I it's, it, but they oh, cellar dweller is right now our only Ohio brewery. Um, we've, you know, had relationships previous with right. other Ohio breweries. Uh, and, um, we probably will, have more Ohio breweries uh, coming up, but self-distribution is a, uh, it's a, it's a hell of a drug, you know? I mean, it's, it's definitely something that um, it's hard to compete against. And, uh, and, and I think my argument, I mean, I would say when, when we are most useful to breweries, I think that, um, it's uh, it's with our knowledge and our sales experience and our our um, you know our customer relationships. But I, I see this whole other side of it too. Whereas if if I am starting a brewery in Ohio and I'm a small startup brewery and I want to get my beer out there and maybe I don't make a ton of beer, maybe I just I, I want to get some out there into the market. I don't necessarily want to dive into that that self distribution world because it's 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 a whole different game and i look at you know then so you've got that option if somebody will take you these big mm-hmm. players in town and i don't want to go down that road either because i don't want to get locked into some of those relationships that i know down the road are probably not going to be what i what i want and it it limits your choices before you know whereas now you've got this whole other option of somebody who you can you can trust and you 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 know them as a, as people not just as this this company and this this thing and and not that there aren't good people that work at other distributors oh yeah there are I will get those emails <laughs> too <laughs> it's a uh, it, it it's fun having a different option and a different model and a different idea here in town that's that's exciting for sure and I mean I think that there is definitely and I can never think of a polite euphemism. Uh, but it's definitely the case I, uh, that you can you can definitely get uh, a little too involved into self distribution, and um, I don't know if 
I'll get in trouble for mentioning this, but it used to be the case that the smart idea was to self-distro, um, not make any money on it, but create a brand, and right. then a big distributor would pay you a good amount of money for so that brand, buy, yeah. and um, that money's just not there anymore. So I don't know. I, that, that would be my, if I was advising a, uh, a brewery out there. Well, like, I, w- I, would, I would love to... Um, have you know representatives from several breweries that are on the top of my mind right now to sit and kind of <laughs> explain their their situations with distribution and 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 their thoughts on it, be it Old Firehouse or you know Dogberry or mm-hmm. e- even Rheingeist, you know their their experiences with whatever they went with with their their model and mm-hmm. how how they feel about it now versus how they felt about it then versus you know it. It, I think Rheingeist might be. I mean, they might be one of the more successful distributors out there. Yeah, I mean, they have yeah. a killer. Pro- they have a killer brand <laughs> to sell uh, in that house of one brewery. Um, but I mean, I, I don't. I mean, understanding Rheingeist as a self-distro, quote-unquote, brewery is probably the wrong way to think about it because they're really just a, at this point a force of nature as far as where they are. But that decision on on day one to do that. Like, if they opened their doors today, would they still make that same decision looking at what this business is today versus what it was then? I don't think... Oh, no. no they've, I, they've created this whole whole business around just the distribution. I mean, there's it's it's crazy what they've... You know, they have semi-trucks, and, and that's... Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we drive by their, uh, their distribution center <laughs> uh, quite often, so it's, it's, it's right off... On Spring Grove. Hey, you I mean, can't miss it if you're Dalton. on Spring Grove. <laughs> yeah, we're off of Dalton, and you Dalton becomes Spring Grove, and uh, I drive by it all the time. It is very impressive. They have some nice vehicles, honestly. We, we're, we're in the market for another vehicle, and I'm just kind of looking at some of their Are you smaller... buying a semi-truck? <laughs> we have no, a semi-truck. <laughs> but I don't know. They have these, these old Isuzus. I'm like, I wonder how much those go for used. What yeah. if you can buy a used Rheingeist distribution? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what it's for. I mean, we're... We're looking. So, um, talk about a little bit. Why go this route as a, as a um, a profession? You know, if you are a fan of beer, you're a fan of even if you're a fan of selling beer. Like, what what got you to kind of set your sights on um, distributing beer and selling beer that way versus something else? I uh, I was 25 years old. Um, I, uh, needed health insurance. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, my good friend, uh, from high school, um, I don't know if I, I might've already told the story, but basically I just got it cause it was a good job. Um, when I was in my mid twenties and just kind of when, you know, about two years ago, oh my gosh, three years ago, I started looking at the beer industry and realizing that small companies were kind of, um, you know, something that was, we're, we're doing a very good job and they were almost all breweries. So right. I was like, well, I'll start a brewery. Um, even though all I knew was distribution, I thought that would be, I could, my edge would be, well, I can be, you know, on the distribution side of the business. And then, um, that same friend who helped me get a job at, uh, Ohio Valley, I was talking to him and like, well, why don't we do a, uh, why don't we just do distribution? Because that's all we know how to do. We couldn't find a brewer. We didn't have um, any experience running a tap room or any kind of uh, any any retail experience whatsoever. So that was what it was. It was just kind of like 
the next step uh, professionally for me was, okay, I can either be a uh, area manager at a distributor or I can start my own distributor. And uh, I was very lucky to be able to start my own distributor. So, um, so I mean, I, I was just the question, like, why do distribution? It's like that's the entire sum of my professional experience. I, it's just it's interesting to me that to, to go down that path. I feel like when you are in your early to mid twenties, mm-hmm. that's it's it's not something that's like a, you know what I I really like beer. I should go work for a distributor. Like it just, it doesn't like to me, I, I, it's interesting to me to see people go down that road or some other roads that are, you know, I, kind of I mean, different I mean, from what the, the flashy side of what people think is, uh, um, the beer jobs in this world. Well, you know? I mean, it was the, I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, a non-trivial, it was a non, you know, it wasn't a non-trivial thing that it was beer, but I mean, honestly, I, would have been fine. I would have been fine with me for selling toilet paper and drinking beer on the weekends, you know, but at the time I just needed a a job. And then, (laughs) but once I got there, um, and I just fell in love with, uh, that craft beer, uh, scene and just got completely, um, you know, involved with, uh, every, everything I could, I could get any piece of information about, Craft Beer is uh, a great guy uh, who unfortunately passed away. Jim Hennessy was uh, heading up the craft beer. Um, he was heading up the craft beer section at that time, and I just could not could not get enough of it. And right. that, that was what happened, really, was it wasn't necessarily that I... I mean, I was drinking uh, Sam Adams like as soon as I turned 18. I have always drank uh, something different. We'd go to Smo- uh, Gatlinburg and go to the Smoky Mountain Brewery, um, and just anything that was different, that was a little bit more interesting. Stopped, I was always stopped interested. there for the first time when I was down there last time. Oh, uh, Smoky Mountain Brewery. It's more fun when you're. <laughs> it's more fun when you're 21. <laughs> I uh, so I was talking to somebody at a uh, I think at a bar down there or something. I said, oh, you know, what kind of what kind of beers are around? He's like, oh, we don't really have like a ton of breweries around. He's like, we have a new one kind of that just kind of came into town and opened up a tap room, and their beer's really good. He's like, and then we've got Smoky Mountain. There's you know two locations there. Uh, he's like, yeah, we all kind of started drinking that because that's all there was. And I think they're still making the same beer that they made back then in the 80s or whenever it was that mm-hmm. they <laughs> I went in there and sure as shit, it's like that typical like 90s brew pub. It's, you know, your Hefeweizen, and your Amber, your... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, was, they have right. like a red ale, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just a red ale. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> um, oh, it's good. I mean, it was it was phenomenal compared to natural light. Right, I will right. Say, tell you that. I there was there. I think everybody that you talk to that you know has some kind of story of how they got into craft beer on the on the drinking side, mm-hmm. like that that magic of that discovery that that first moment or moments where you're like, oh my god, there's something else, like this other thing, like that that excitement and that like that fun of that first little bit is so it's magical it's fun and like i don't know if drinkers today get to experience that in the same way that uh, you know we did then yeah because it's always there you know when you yeah. grow up now and you turn 21 you're you you've got rheingeist you've got mad tree you've got these places that are like these big forces in cincinnati that um that's just normal like that's mm-hmm. that's the new beer and not that that's a bad thing it's a very good thing but um you miss that magic of that discovery i think and i think that's kind of where you get with all these why out of town breweries and why um 
uh, you know, trading and, and why people are waiting in lines. I think it's kind of chasing that same kind of that, that same feeling of right. discovery and uniqueness. And well, sure, like, OK, wait, it was easy for me to get Newcastle, not to shit on Newcastle, but like, okay, it's easy to get. It was, it was kind of hard to get Newcastle. And then, OK, now I'll get Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. OK, now what's harder than that to get? And then you start getting just down and down the line. And um, and I think in some cases you are getting rewarded with unique beers that are made at a high quality. Uh, but some cases you're kind of passing up a little, you know, something that would be just as rewarding if you just have a pint and, you know, get a burger and, and watch some TV at a, a place that just has good beer on because they like good beer. Um, sometimes that's, at least for me, in my own experience as a, as a consumer, I mean, sometimes that's just as good. It's, uh, it's hard sometimes to remind yourself of that when you're surrounded in this world of, um, you know, peanut butter cup stouts and things <laughs> like that, that, that sometimes you just want to go down and, and grab a seat at the bar at, at Wooden Cask and drink a Yorkshire or whatever mm-hmm. it might be that, you know, just to sit down and just have a beer and like again connect back with that experience versus all this other stuff that's happening. It becomes increasingly harder for, for me, I know. And I, I assume for most craft beer drinkers, um, in, in, in this world today, but, um, I don't know. I, it's all fun. It's it, all these different, the, it it's these different sides and, of the same, can, same. Let's, let's thing. grab a, let's grab a badass beer out of the fridge and we should have put a mic on the beer fridge so you could hear the door opening and the, What is this one? So this is one of those out-of-town beers I was talking about. It is uh, Desert, which is spelled with an exclamation point. It is a double dry hop, double IPA out of uh, Astoria in Queens, New York. It's fitting after our um, discussion last week with Marco about what the hell double dry hopped actually means and how it's different for everybody. Yep. And, uh, I mean, like Marco said that it is the case that it's not a super uncommon practice. Um, but, uh, that's good. I know. Isn't it good? Um, but yeah, I think that there's definitely, this is something that I, I know you said that, uh, um, you know, that, 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 you know, you can drink beer in Cincinnati and, and it's just as good as what everyone else is making anywhere else. And it's just like what everyone else is making. I don't always know if that's exactly the case. I mean, sure. There's what your count is might be probably where are we at? 60 breweries, uh, uh, breweries or tap rooms or 60 ish. We'll say I but think like, 60 it's probably, about is probably my number 50 <clears throat> locally owned, locally headquartered, brewing companies about yes that's not that much there's there's still gaps we can there's still things out there that you know maybe people aren't um able to uh to make and have the time and this is one of those beers uh, this desert from single cut i mean we've it's hard to find a beer like this um I mean, I know it's a hazy IPA, but I mean, this it, the way that I mean, if, when you're if you can describe it, it's kind of a little bit more dank, a little bit more 
There is a little bit of bitterness to it. That's what I the like. Bal- it's, yeah. It, 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 so it starts out when you smell it, it smells super fruity and, and, and like it's just going to be a straight up kind of new England, a double dry hop in New England. Mm-hmm. And then when you kind of dive in at the beginning, it still kind of starts with that fruit. But then it hits you with this big bitter thing in the middle and mm-hmm. then finishes really clean and soft and fruity like in New England. It's it's a, I, I like those layers when I'm tasting things. Mm-hmm. I like it, you know, that different experience throughout the same sip and this one hits these different points for me. It's that's a fun beer. It it is. And I think that when that's what I think is allowed, I mean single cut is done phenomenal for us. Uh it's been a brewery that, you know, really kind of um it's helped us out a lot as far to uh, to kinda introduce ourselves to uh to people. Um and I think that what they're doing with the way they make IPAs, they have a pretty good variety of uh of hop profiles in you know a fairly familiar base i mean they they don't do just one base beer and throw it's realist i think that they probably have um it's it's usually a different beer every time so it's not like it's not as if that they're doing just like we have one malt character and then we're gonna just throw a bunch of different hops at it everyone's no i mean they really they make the the grain bill uh they they basically start it um they 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 modify the grain bill to make sure that it's going to have um the right kind of flavors for the kind of hot profile that they're going to release um, or they're going to put in there. And they never use, uh, they never actually reveal what kind of hops they use. That's interesting. And, well, I think, yeah, and I think we kind of, did we talk like about that? Uh, I don't think uh, so. Maybe, yeah, maybe we did when we were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, basically the philosophy is that there's, um, that they're, they're really just looking for flavor profiles. They're not looking for, you know, name brands or anything like that. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of goes back to a, a different side of so when when at least when I got into craft beer there wasn't a lot of talk about oh this has this hop and this malt and it's double dry hopped and it's this and it's that and it's you know these these technical things that we mm-hmm. we all like now because we're we're all geeks at this point but back then nobody was except the the home brewers and mm-hmm. the, the the uber geeks like it was just here's a beer and it's um it's going to be fruity and taste like mangoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you were lucky if you got that amount of tasting note on it. It was just, it was um, like a simpler kind of just drink this beer and maybe here's what you'll taste. And I kind of like that, that side of things too, where it's not too, I mean, this is definitely kind of a, a geeky brand for, for the, the, the hop geeks out there, but, oh, yeah. but it doesn't, doesn't shout that in your face and kind of, um well i mean i think you're right i mean i i i actually think it's uh i mean i remember seeing packages that would have the srm and like yeah. the love of bonds yeah. and the you know like here are you know these this is the these are the malts we use these are the hops we use here are the adjuncts here's the strain of yeast that we use to like this is the water profile and i think that's really cool and you know frankly i think that it would enrich my experience to understand that of every right. beer that i drink but um, it is also the case that that kind of presentation uh, can kind of distract from maybe what the consumer is going, most consumers are right. going to get from a beer. And uh, I, I just really think that having a more simple presentation, and I mean, this is a very complex beer. I mean, this is something you can pick, you can pick apart. We could spend a whole show it, just picking apart the different kind of flavors we got. It, it you know, almost from, encourages that though too. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it encourages that conversation around a beer instead of, instead of you already knowing what this is and what that is and what that's supposed to taste like. And like, it's just, here's, here's this beer. 
Mm-hmm. You, you trust the brand, you trust them and what they can do. Just drink it and then sit around and talk about what you think that was and that, uh, or what you think of that experience around the beer. And I think that that's something that can get lost in today's craft beer craziness. You yeah. Know, the, the, the conversation around beer. Also, the uh, label looks like an acid trip. So, yes, it does. <laughs> I feel like after a few of them, you could sit there and stare yeah. at that and pick things out that uh, <laughs> probably aren't really there. Um, I like this a lot. Okay. Um, again, not that there isn't great beer to drink in Cincinnati, but this is uh, this is pretty fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, there is some great beer to drink in Cincinnati, and I think that um, without, I think that supporting local breweries has to be. Um, it's it's an important part of being a craft beer fan is whether you live in Cincinnati or you live in like Louisville, Ohio or Pilwaukee, Wisconsin or some, you know, some tiny town that has like one or two breweries and supporting those people uh, is important, you know, to right. make sure that you're, you're helping the people who are innovating and, and trying to, to make it work. Um, well, it's, I've a, always, it's, 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 it's like a, so, Cincinnati is what it is mm-hmm. because we're 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 a beer city. Would yeah. we would we be as much of a beer city if we didn't have the breweries? If we didn't have the breweries, would we exist in the same way we do? Would would Single Cut even care if their beer was in Cincinnati if we didn't have this community that's already building here and growing here and being what it is, which to me is a lot because of the breweries that we have. Yeah. You know, it's all this 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 thing that kind of builds off each other too. And uh, having stuff like this sitting on the shelf next to everybody else's beer pushes them to keep doing their best work too. You know, if you, if you can't buy a beer like this in Cincinnati, <laughs> you don't have to make a beer like this in Cincinnati. Nobody, nobody cares about it. Nobody needs it. Nobody wants it because they don't know it exists. And I think that that is kind of how, uh, how beer turned into what it did in the, the dark ages of, of beer drinking in the, you know, after World War II when, when domestic light lager took over mm-hmm. is because that was all there was, you know, and it, it dominated the marketplace. And then that's all people wanted because that's all people had and that's all they were used to. So this kind yeah. of pushes things here, too, if that makes sense. Yeah, and there were a little bit of underhanded business tactics well, yes, involved, but, too. <laughs> but that's, but that's it's, all, it's all driving that same thing. If, if nobody, you know, a business and they can force that, that lack of choice. And then once, mm-hmm. once that ball starts rolling, then people don't want it anymore. Yeah. It's always funny when people say like, I'll just have a normal beer. And it's like <laughs> that beer has not been normal for the <laughs> thousands of years that beer has existed. That the, beer was invented in a uh, boardroom in 1977. The <laughs> amount of, uh, of modification that has gone into every ingredient that is in that beer is, is just mind-boggling to and not to a bad thing like mm-hmm. a, that's created some some really great advancement too for craft beer mm-hmm. um probably unintentionally on their part i think if they knew if they had seen that writing on the wall they would have kept doing it the way they were <laughs> <laughs> but it uh it, you know it it it's a it's a science experiment it's a it's a it's not it's not beer anymore i mean no. it is it, i'll still call it beer but it's not what it at one time was it's not the default and I think that that's that always irritated me, but I guess I'll let that go. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I, I mean, what is the default? You know, like that's a great question. Um, 
I don't know. Probably Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess it, I guess it depends on on where you are and who you're talking to. But so I'm pretty sure if you, you know, if you walked into a lot of bars in Cincinnati and said, "Hey, give me a beer," you're probably still going to get a Bud Light. But. Oh, for sure. Oh, oh, definitely. Um, and I'm joking with Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I don't think that's. I mean, that's a pretty new innovation as well. Um, I don't. Uh, I mean, it, it has become. I mean, I think Miller Lite debuted in 1976. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale debuted in 1981. So. They're, you know, about the same age. So I, it's not like the idea that these hoppy beers are some newfangled thing. It's 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 not really not really the case. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, not not compared to to light lager or whatever you want to call uh, what they're doing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess that's enough of, of making fun of those those poor guys. <laughs> it's um, never enough. <laughs> Um, talk. Let's talk. Let's go back to kind of Adina and and who you guys are and who you guys are going to be. You know how how far do you push this idea of um, what it means to be a small independent distributor? Like how how you know the question I ask Oliver is how big is too big? Mm-hmm. Um, how well I I mean we. When we started this, and I think if you, you listen to what, when I was talking, um, and a lot of our conversation already has involved the idea, uh, you know, that we're, you know, how we can help breweries, and uh, we still always think about that and right. our brewery partners. Uh, but we, I've definitely found that we want to be uh, a value to our customers, and to make sure that the people who are buying our beer and the people they serve it to are happy with the products that we're delivering to them. Because that's all we are, is just the how happy we can make the people who are buying our beer. Um, so to me, the most important way to to kind of gauge what a success is, is how valuable are we to our customers? How how often are we, are we satisfying the need uh, that they have in providing them, you know, with service um, that, you know, that we can provide? Um so size isn't, I'm not really particularly preoccupied with size. I think that, ha- I mean, it's just, everybody says oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how I walked into that one. Um, I, I, I think that uh, even from a business perspective, what is that measure though? Like what is that thing then that you can, you can look to like, it's, e- it's easy to say that, Oh, as long as our, our customers are happy, but that's a really hard thing to, to measure and to, to, to use as a goalpost that you're looking at. Well, I mean, I don't want to be shoving beer down our customers' throats. I don't want to have to ask for favor after favor after favor. Um, I don't want to have to kind of create demand where there is none. Right. Um, I don't want to have to, you know, go to our breweries and say that, uh, you know, like, hey, guys, uh, there's just not an interest in not the kind of interest that you're looking for. Uh, so we want to, we, we do being right sized isn't just a platitude. It's, it's, um, you know, I think it's smart business. Doesn't a lot of that, um, fall back on who you're partnering with though yeah. too? I mean, I, we've, I mean, we've definitely talked to breweries, uh, that we really liked and, um, we just could not see, we couldn't see ourselves getting big enough to be a, full partner with them. Right. We, so um, our philosophy is to, to, kind, to, to, to fill needs and to, to be a, 
you know, good steward of our brands. And I think that involves being um, in hundreds of accounts, not thousands of accounts. I think that involves being a, uh, a having a portfolio of, you know, dozens of breweries, not hundreds of breweries. Um, I think that involves being, you know, having, you know, employees that, you know, I can count on both hands. So if, if that means that we're missing out, I'm not going to be a beer millionaire. I'm not going to be a guy who, you know, has a private jet or, you know, uh, has all the perks of, of, of being a, a big distributor owner. I, I mean, I don't know if that's really on the table for me anyway. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I, I just think that every time that I've, you know, kind of, I've made a, an expedient choice or a choice that I thought would would be maybe not my fa- maybe not my favorite decision, but I've done it because I thought it'd be easier. It, it always feels like it bites me in the butt anyway. And um, every time that I've kind of done what I thought was going to be the hard thing, it ended up actually paying off. And um, for us, I think that the the answer is pretty easy is we talk to our customers every week about what they're looking for and what they need. And, uh, you know, they're, a lot of these people are business owners themselves. Um, and a lot of these people are small businesses, independent business, businesses themselves. So, um, we don't want to be a burden on them. We want to be a positive. And if they can uh, see us as a positive as well, um, I think that's, that is, that really is what we're looking for. And it's, and that kind of sounds, I guess, a little bit like a cop-out, but on the other hand, I feel like if I was going to give you a um, kind of a more pat answer, I don't know if that would be any any less uh, of a cop-out. It's when I see the relationship that you guys have with, and I'll just pick two random ones that I, that mm-hmm. I can see, is you know, Cellar Dweller and, and Darkness. Mm-hmm. Two very different types of relationships that you have with those two different breweries that in a lot of ways are you know, very similar, just in different parts of the same little micro ecosystem of Cincinnati. But, Mm -hmm. and I just, it seems very difficult to me to manage. And I'm, I'm assuming that that same idea carries on to all of these different breweries that you're working with. It's all of these very different types of relationships and trying to, um, trying to understand who you are to this place or who you are to this place as they're coming in is, I mean, got to be tough like it's got to be difficult to understand who you are to them versus who you are to them does that mm-hmm. make sense uh yes it does is that um, something that grows as you kind of once you partner with somebody and you know that you can do something for them does yeah. that shift and change or is it like somebody that you 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 meet with somebody and you i already know who i am to you well it, i think i mean the biggest challenge is that People like Eric and CJ are people that I consider my friends and that I enjoy talking to. I mean, Randy and Karen, same deal. All these local guys, I really enjoy working with them. Um, But then uh, also I have friends on the other side who are purchasing that beer and who are, you know, um, who are in some cases owning businesses that are selling beer. So I also have to consider my relationship with those people. So I really am kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be, you know, not service, trying to service them 100% on both sides is kind of a dereliction of duty. So I have, But you have to balance that. 
and but I still believe that um, representing those great breweries well is a service to those people buying it and telling my breweries what those customers want is also um, the only way to properly service those breweries. Right. To, to probably partner with them. You whether, know what I mean? Whether they choose to listen or not. <laughs> whether they choose to I mean, There is, I mean, um, I mean, I, yeah, if people, they all listen. Um, you know, and I, I think that it has been the case. I mean, where we are, I think when we started talking, uh, I mean, 100% of our breweries were coming out of Kentucky. And, um, you know, for a little while, you know, I would say we were majority local. Um, since the summer, we've it's flipped, and now we're majority out of town. Um, and I think that that's kind of helps. Kind of, we our local breweries now kind of see firsthand the success of of some of these bigger breweries that we were able to bring in. And um, I think that I mean the best example is that damn puzzle pieces beer that we made, <laughs> <laughs> which wasn't that was not. I, mean, I think Marco was one hundred percent right. Like that was not an Adina idea. Like that was just. That was us saying, yeah, do that. That's a, <laughs> that's a cool idea to it. And then they showed us a label. I'm like, oh, okay, yes, that's, you know, awesome. But I, just, I just wish it had gotten into stores like three or four days before it did. <laughs> well, next year it will. And that's, I, I, don't, I don't know. They're the brewer, so they'll, they'll actually determine when that beer comes out. But we're gonna, I think we're going to try and get it out for Halloween next year. And I think that's the only time it's going gonna, it's gonna to just be a Halloween beer. I uh, I would like to see a whole uh, series of different candy beers from them because I I love the beer so I, mm-hmm. um I, we I think we talked about this just very briefly because it had just started to uh, the the untapped rating stuff started mm-hmm. coming and I think Marco mentioned that he had he had gotten some feedback that he didn't like about it that mm-hmm. uh, of course people kind of being negative about it. he's like I don't understand he's like I love this beer and um <laughs> I also love the beer and. I feel like it fits into the same category as um, the 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 grade the first graders from Braxton. Okay, um, not that it's the same beer in any stretch, but um, you have I loved the beer. Mm-hmm. I think it it absolutely like nails what I wanted out of it. Still a beer first, and then there's this other there's this other side to it, the candy side. So there's <laughs> there's going to be some people that say, oh, there's not enough peanut butter, there's not enough chocolate, or this or whatever. But I, that's, I think that's kind of what I like about it is that it's not just in your face. It's not a pastry stout. It's a stout with some candy kind of things going on with it, if that makes sense. Uh, but, I, I agree with most of what you said. It is a pastry stout. It says it on the label. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, yeah, I think Compared that it to what yeah. some people are making as right. pastry stouts right now. It wasn't diabetes in a can. Yes. And that's what it looked like when you put a, you know, put a candy-inspired label. Uh, you know, label on it. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it was, uh, I mean, if you wanted a beer that tasted a little like peanut butter and, uh, was 11% alcohol and tasted, <laughs> I mean, that was a very chocolatey beer too. I mean, there was some, it was, I thought, I mean, f- for what they were, yeah, like for what they were doing, I thought that was a, it, a fantastic, it really nailed exactly yeah, a, a what a I wanted it to be. Fantastic attempt at it, uh, but at it would the, have tasted yeah. a whole lot better outside on Halloween <laughs> when it was cold and windy and I was shivering sitting next to a fire. Well, I actually to- did have <laughs> one of those cans doing exactly that and it, it did taste really good. But I mean, I'd be, I'd be honest, like, I feel like that, you know, that's one of those like things like, um, 
uh, you know, there's a couple people uh, on the internet who who like complained about it. But I mean, there's a lot of doofuses on the internet. Yeah, you're gonna get it, and they gonna you know. If you're so, I'm gonna go out on a limb here Mm -hmm. and say, if you're one of those people that are online on whatever Facebook group saying that this beer is oxidized when it was just released, you, sir, are a doofus. And I will say that, and I will stand behind that. The beer is not oxidized. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but, I I mean, it's not going to be... I mean, you're going to... When a beer has that kind of attention, uh, you're going to get a lot of comments. And honestly, as someone who... Most people who drank the beer had very positive comments. There's a you know a website uh, that aggregates people's uh, reviews of it. I thought it was pre- that was pretty decent. Um, but I mean I'm I can't I can't blame like social media for you know um, being some menace when the reason why people <laughs> were calling all of our customers right, for right, that right. beer was because <laughs> it was posted on social media and people liked the picture and thought it was an interesting beer and. I'm I'm generally pretty pleased with uh, the response to it, and well, I wish I wish we had more. Um, I still have one can in my fridge at home that I'm uh, desperate to drink, but desperate to hold on to so that I can have it some other time too. It's <laughs> it's difficult. Um, I'll you never forget. Ahead, you can definitely save that. It, that's, <laughs> I, I'd love to know what it would taste like in a couple months. There's no way it'll sit around for a couple months. Oh, There's okay. no way I could do that. <laughs> um, there was a point when uh, when I started blogging and all of that stuff that. Um, that first time somebody shits on what you're doing and tells you that um, they hate what you wrote or you're wrong or you're you're an asshole or whatever it may be. Um, it's very difficult that first time. But then there's that moment where you realize that the only reason that that exists is that it's gotten to a size where you're now pulling in other people. Like it's a, it's a good spot to be in. And I think that uh, if you can kind of ignore the uh, the noise and the chatter um, and realize what it is and take it for that and uh, it can be an okay thing yeah I mean honestly I did I mean I'm not I mean I thought there was people who that's more had, for it's more yeah. for, for Marco and CJ yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean for me I feel like it's just I hope, like I know. hope they're not sitting there checking you know what people are saying about things still <laughs> I don't think they are anymore <laughs> but I mean I, I I don't I don't want to like think that I mean if you don't like a beer uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with someone saying something about it. I, I, I think that maybe I don't. Know. I, don't like, I, I don't. I I think that would you okay? It's on the how try you to do it. even cover your ass. You know, like make right. sure that you're not being a jerk. Make sure that um, you know if you if just make sure that there's going to be. I mean, you, you're going to be affecting people's you know their work, the emotions they put into it the you know the, the financial aspect of it um i mean all those things affect people and you know understand that but i mean if you tried that beer and you're like gosh i you know i i was gonna you know i just ran a marathon and i just wanted something light and crisp and i drank <laughs> it and it just wasn't what i wanted like i don't i mean, I honestly i mean that's obviously a joke but i i, I don't really mind when people right because you know, that's the thing is we sell good beer and i stand behind all our breweries and we take very seriously because we are kind of one degree of separation away from the brewers. You know, we can be a little bit more if a beer sucks and it happens, unfortunately, you know, we we ax it. You know, if it's a brewery that's good and we respect, we tell them what happened. Or sometimes they tell us, like, hey, this beer is not up to snuff anymore. We got to we got to get rid of it. We're, we're going to do that. Well, and that's, so, I, I, and so I, I just feel like I'm not I'm not as worried about what people are going to say online because I think that. 
most of what we put out there is going to be very good. And I, I like most of the responses we get from our beer. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. But, you know, it's still like most breweries have some kind of channel set up where they know that what they're putting out is what they want to be putting out. And I say most because mm-hmm. we've all we all have been to that brewery somewhere probably outside of Cincinnati because everything in Cincinnati is amazing <laughs> um, that they've got these channels in place where they know what they're putting out is the, is the product that they want to be putting out. And you don't need to get online and say this beer sucks and it's this and it's that because it's not really helping anybody at that point. It's don't try to be mean. Don't try to, to score points on, on brewers that, that, I mean, they worked to make that beer, they probably worked harder um, than than you could imagine. So don't try to um, bat, don't try to tear people down. I but if you don't like a beer, you don't like a beer. And, right, right. Um, you know, maybe try and find something nice to say. But it's uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't think. I mean, I'm not going to be kept up. I mean, the online stuff for puzzle pieces I thought was uh, was uh, generally positive, and you know the people. You know, the, our customers loved it. Uh, the people who bought it from our customers loved it. And uh, I can't wait for the next one. <laughs> I, uh, when I drink my next can, I have to make sure I peel the label off mm-hmm. of the, the beer before I take it upstairs so that my wife can't see what I'm drinking <laughs> because um, she'll try to take it. Well, there's, there's more to that story that I probably shouldn't talk about right now. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's actually the case. Um my uh, my wife is pregnant, so she's not taking any beer from me right now. Uh, but uh, we have a beer from uh, Ethereal that I was I thought about bringing down here because I have one bottle left. It's Baba Yaga. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's Baba Yaga, and yes. um, I have to wait until our daughter is born before <laughs> we uh, before we um, uh, break that one. Open. I definitely remember <laughs> that with uh, with my with. The, the baby gnome when uh when mm-hmm. she was in utero um i would get these fun beers and my wife can you is that a beer that that'll last like for, <laughs> for eight months like no no this one won't last that long you know? <laughs> okay <laughs> uh russian imperial style taste and bourbon barrels like they they, they don't last they, they they they'll skunk hella quick babe don't so worry we um <laughs> god what year was that so we were we were at um um uh, Ohio Brew Week out in mm-hmm. Athens, and it was the uh, the f- one of the first shows that I had just gotten thrown into doing a show by myself because it was right when Mike had all of his health issues, mm-hmm. and I was completely out of my element, completely stressed, making my wife do way my pregnant wife at the time oh, wow. do way more than she thought she was signing up for by coming out with me on this this <laughs> quick trip out to Athens, and um, and. Um, as we're sitting at this table with, you know, Jackie O's and Little Fish and Devil's Kettle and they're, they've all got boxes and boxes of these bottles that they're sharing. And um, at the end, you know, everybody was like, well, you know, we're we're not going to take these back. You know, you, you just go ahead and take those. You can oh, take wow. them home. That's and my nice. wife was, OK, save that and save that and save that. <laughs> <laughs> because she was like not that pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't remember what the month was, but oh, yeah, that was fun. Um, that's, that's fantastic. Tell me about this beer. So, um, illuminated ale works out of, or out of brew works out of mm-hmm. Chicago, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I know nothing about the brew. Just pick them up. They were a, um, uh, I think they were doing a little bit of gypsy work and they still do. Uh, they have their own tap room now in Chicago. 
much of what we get comes from some of their uh, gypsy working. This comes out of uh, uh, Great Central Brewing Company uh, in Chicago, Illinois. And then they have, um, I believe, uh, a relationship Ooh. with a few other breweries. So, yeah, this is fantastic. It's called Mumble Juice. It's spelled like Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a gnarly can as well. It's um, one of uh, my favorite beers we have right now. I didn't mean to. I know it's hot, or sorry, it's not hot. It's cold. Uh, I wanted to warm you up with some of these dark beers, but uh, these. Uh, I, don't know, I just love these. I'm. A, I'm what am still I tasting in that? Um, it's almost like a bubble gummy kind of, but not bubble like a. I think it's kind of like a uh, a juicy fruit almost. I think that's what yeah. it, you kind of have a, a little bit of a sweetness and then a. Um, yeah, juicy fruit's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that yeah. is, but. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think juicy fruit is an actual flavor, but <laughs> that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I think there is a little bit of malt sweetness. Um, there's not a ton of bitterness. There's a little bit. Um, I feel like it's like mango, but I've never like really eaten mango, so I only know like what mango tastes like yeah, because <laughs> because of like beers <laughs> described beers. as being mango. Yeah. I don't even understand half of the things that are on this can. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really give me any tasting notes, so I can't use oh, that to I cheat. See, yeah. That's awesome. No, I just got the new label. You're not you're not gonna be able to tell anyone, but Cellarville actually just texted me the new label of uh the next uh stuff <laughs> they're doing. So I'm gonna show you, you can react oh, to it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so that's <laughs> That will be coming out soon enough. I mean, I think that basically, like, the day we can Well, I don't that. know why they would make an asparagus-flavored uh, stout, so yeah, like, that's I weird. Think, but. They've just wanted to make people's <laughs> pee taste different or <laughs> smell different. <laughs> that, that sounds like something that a lot of breweries would do just for shits and giggles, actually. Yeah, we, we have to get on that um, for real. But, yeah, they... they uh, they were very excited by the response, and so they, they scheduled another canning run um, to do something different. Um, I know they're going to save puzzle pieces for next Halloween. I think that's a good idea. I think uh, keeping the uh, the idea, and I, Marco talked about it a little bit last week, but keeping that idea and kind of pushing it into new places and new ideas that kind of um, enable them to keep building kind of on that uh uh, the the thing that they've started is, is going to be fun. And, you know, honestly, I wish I had a can of uh, Governor Morrow because I thought that was my favorite of the bunch. I, I you, liked that a lot. I have another can of that at home, too. No, I, you, should, you should drink that right away. Um, well, and we did. We drank one last mm-hmm. week. Um, and then Marco told me to wait a little bit, let it, let some of the uh, the green flavors kind of fall out to see what it tasted like. So I'm going to sit on it for a little bit, but not too long. Yeah, probably a couple, not, more, a couple yeah. more hours and yeah. I think they'll be ready. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, well, and this is kind of like Belgians. I say that I'm not a uh, New England IPA mm-hmm. um, guy, but yet I keep trying these New Englands. I'm like, oh, that no, but that's good. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't really care about New Englands, but uh, yeah, I like that. And um, Governor Mara was one of the ones that I, that I drank. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what I want out of a New England. With the New England hazy, juicy, double dry hopped uh, craze, there's a lot of half-assed uh versions i think that's, of it and i, I think, think that's, that's what it. people usually don't like um there are i mean it's also just a fantastic way to get hot flavor uh if you do it correctly well and i think that there's probably a lot of people that are 
doing it better now than I think that they mm-hmm. were when the trend kind of took off and everybody was trying to do it their way and trying to figure out what that way was. And um, I think it's that the the idea behind it has gotten a lot better than it was you know, yeah. even. Well, you know, I think a people. Took, I mean, like it's if you take it seriously and you you know really understand the science behind it and, and really get into it. It's it's just another way to make beer. Um, if you just kind of take shortcuts or react to it cynically, uh, I think you can make a really shitty beer. <laughs> um, but I guess, yeah, um, what do you think, uh, as far as we're talking about trends, What, what do you, where do you think the, the next one's going? I don't, you know, I, I still live on the, uh, the lager bandwagon. I think we're going to start seeing some people keep pushing into loggers and making just a beer, you know, you know, going back to that thing, trying to create something that when you talk to, you talk to brewers, Mm -hmm. what's in your fridge and what's, you know, high life. It's whatever, (laughs) whatever the, that the, uh, the hipster beer of the week is. Um, There's a reason for that. There's Mm -hmm. a reason that people still crave that beer ass beer, you know, just, beer you know mm-hmm. there's still there's still something to that and you see places like like Rheingeister um, Braxton doing their light loggers and like that's fine but that's there's still like this middle ground between the two that I think we're we're not I would like yet. to see that done um you know I think uh there was a brewery locally that I thought had a chance to do something like that and uh I think they've found that perhaps that wasn't something that that they felt that they could focus on um urban chestnut in st louis i think is the only brewery to really take lagers seriously and be successful at it they have a they have a wide variety of beers and uh i actually have a friend in st louis who hates them (laughs) um and i don't know why and it's always funny like i always ask him like he'll we're doing doing beer swaps i'm like hey man bring me some of that urban chestnuts vickle he's like fuck you man (laughs) <laughs> I hate those guys. I think they're. I think there's Vickle's the only one from them I've had, and I, I loved it. Have you not had? Uh, they've got a lot of good stuff. I mean, I this Vickle is just a perfect. You talk about a beer that tastes like beer. I mean, I think that I got is, it on like Tavor or something one time. Um, it was on there, and you know the, can, the cans with those. Well, that was how I could get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of lagers too. Uh, I mean, you talk about, uh, you know. Gateway uh, venues, um, Hofbrauhaus. I used to go down there all the time. I used to too cool, before get... I was banned. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that I just brought up that terrible, <laughs> terrible fact. That's all right. we, I still support Hofbrauhaus. I just am banned. From That's okay. Everyone in the world, according make, to the Newport Police Department, they make some phenomenal lager, though. Uh, but. I would love to see someone kind of package it and, and market it in a more modern way. And, and there's, it wouldn't be, I mean. There's no reason to me that a place like, like Hofbrauhaus, House, mm-hmm. a place that was a local brewery, could build it like a really fun, like beer garden kind of atmosphere and just make lagers and do like really, really well in Cincinnati. Like there's no reason that can't exist. But I, th- I mean, we can, I guess, we're probably getting kind of far yeah, in the in the in the show, so maybe I can I can just kind of give you a little bit of insight. Um, they're expensive 
people don't want to pay very much money right. for them. Right. And uh, the places that sell German-style lagers are selling German beers, and they will laugh at you if you try to bring a Cincinnati beer in. That's not entirely true anymore. Okay. So you, you, you go to any one of these uh, German festivals, mm-hmm. at, you know, these German societies and stuff, there's, there's local taps now. You know, you've got places, be it Braxton or Westside or whoever is, that, that are mm-hmm. making these fun German-inspired lagers that people are starting to look at a little bit differently. It's, it's still not to that point it needs to be, but it's shifting, and I see that shift happening. It would just close. be, yeah, it would just be very hard to, I mean, I, that's, that's awesome, actually. That's, that's really cool. Uh, it would be hard, it just would be hard to kind of get a, I mean, you'd really have to, to commit to it. Yeah. I think that there's a reason why the biggest five breweries in this city all make pretty much the same beer. And uh, there's a reason why um, the five breweries smaller than them also make about pretty much the same beer. Right. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, people say they want one thing and then they buy something else. <laughs> that's, that, that's, the, that's the right answer right there. <laughs> um, I think there's also a, uh, a tipping point in a beer community where if you have five big breweries making the same kind of beer and mm-hmm. uh, five small breweries making the same kind of beer, it opens the door then. You've got that base covered. Mm-hmm. If you're going to open a brewery, it, it leaves you this ability to maybe your urban artifact and you just want to make sour beer. Yeah. That can't work in a city where there's three breweries. It only works in a city where there's 50 breweries. Mm-hmm. And and I think we're getting to that point where we're opening up these doors for people to do their own thing that maybe couldn't exist in a bigger in a, in a community with without a lot of other players. I think that is interesting. As someone who's tried to sell sour beer in Urban Artifacts home city, it's uh, I mean they really they really nailed it. And if you can if you can be the that source for that style of beer, and people will trust you before they trust someone else. I think that I mean look at how how many gozas did you used to see. <laughs> And how how many people are making gozas now? Right. You know, it's just like how many, like how many quote unquote sour programs died on the vine because they're like, oh, Urban Artifacts got it. So never mind. Um, I think you're right. I mean, if someone could do that with lagers here. Somebody could do that with lagers. Somebody could do it with Belgian beer. People like there's, there's yeah. things. I mean, that no one still... even, I mean, no one even has a perfunctory Belgian on tap. I mean, how many breweries used to have like oh we just did a double or oh we're gonna do a belgian yeah. quad and like at least just throw it on there like oh here's our quote-unquote abiel like um the only one i'm thinking of is i mean I, every single beer i mentioned alexandria makes um but besides them i mean it just doesn't it doesn't seem like there's any kind of uh and some of that is because again i mean belgian beer is um not exactly gangbusters and the belgians are still making beer you know like <laughs> right so it's like why would you that's kind of you're going to compete against the real thing so maybe maybe to go back to the original question of what's mm-hmm. the trend going to be maybe it's more focused breweries people coming into the game not trying to do everything just trying to do a thing really well kind of more on online with with urban or somebody like that where they they know their 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 piece of pie in this bigger pie of Cincinnati. You know, they they know their little 
their niche and they can do that and own it and push really hard into that. Maybe that's the trend. Do you Speaking think- in Cincinnati, but that's not bigger. No, I, 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 I'm kind of curious. I mean, if we're going to talk about Cincinnati uh, breweries and, and the business, I mean, I feel like the the trend is the opposite right now. It feels like yeah. people are trying to do as much as possible. And it, in part, it's because they're trying to supply a tap room first. Right. Um, for most breweries, that's, that's the number one priority. And that affects what they're able to put out to the consumer and to, you know, the customer. I, th- I mean, I think we're going back to self-distro. I mean... You can't just send a bartender out there to, um, you know, get rid of your extra stock that you can't sell in your tap room. Right. I mean, that's legally you can. I mean, that's fine. But, I mean, you're doing a disservice to the person who ev- ends up, you know, buying that beer. Um, and if I, I cannot tell you how many times people tell me that things do well in a tap room. And it's just like, it's, that's because Bud Light. Right. In your tap room, right. <laughs> that's why I was like, "This this cream ale is gangbusters." I mean, this is, you know, like, like okay, great. Like now, imagine how much oh, that cream ale would sell if you had to sell Bud Light too. Um, but yeah, I I I think that you're right. That's you know, specialization is probably the best bet. But that's kind of a tough thing to tell someone. Like, hey, start making only one kind of beer yeah and you know hope that people will embrace that kind of beer yeah i don't know how you i mean i you, you can you can look at places that have done that and i guess figure out how you how you do that but um if you're wanting to open a brewery today you know that's that's that is a hard thing to kind of convince somebody that's, I, I know that you want this tap room that has <laughs> you know food and has people hanging out all the time and you, know, you, you want that side of the business to be successful because of course um but maybe you should just try to make loggers <laughs> maybe Every you should just make Belgium beer, slow you know and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know well the trend is um that things are just going to keep changing and everybody's gonna be like huh I, I didn't expect that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, hopefully just people uh, stop making seltzers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I, I mean, but, except for the people who already are. Like, that's, no, I, I'm, okay if they, I'm, like, I'm okay if they stop making them, too. I, oh, okay. I, I, hate, I, I hate seltzers. I think it's the worst thing that happened to craft beer since, uh, well, no, I won't. You know, we won't try to <laughs> make a comparison, but it's the worst thing to happen to craft beer in a really long time. I hate oh. seltzers. Hate them. Well, I mean, you're, again, you're talking about, I mean, I don't want to comment on breweries who decided that's <laughs> well, a good thing. Because I, mean, I think that, you know, honestly, it's not the worst and I business don't, decision and people enjoy it. So that's fine. No, but um, I, I hate that it's like in... I, I should clarify. Mm-hmm. Not that anybody is that that is going to be angry about it is going to be listening to this, but um, I don't have a problem with the idea of having hard seltzer. I have no issue with hard seltzer the same way I have no issue with wine and spirits and cider and all those things, but there's something about hard seltzer being in a tap room and limiting that discussion with people, if that makes sense. Like somebody comes into a tap room and sits down at a bar and they just see that there's a seltzer and that's what they order instead of you creating that conversation around what they're actually looking for. If they're looking for something that's a little bit healthier, there's a beer option for that. If they're willing something that tastes a little fruity, then there's a beer option for that. If they want something that's low calorie, there's a beer option for that. You know, I hate that it just 
falls back on seltzer, this beverage without any soul to it. I don't know. Well, I don't um, know. I think that is because um, there are financial realities uh, of running a brewery that uh, perhaps are not always as fun. <laughs> to discuss. I, I, like, so I agree. I mean, we're, I we're getting into a really big topic here, but my argument for that is mm-hmm. is is always going to be where is that line though? Like, yes, if you have people coming in your tap room asking for seltzer, it makes sense to serve seltzer. But if you have people coming in your tap room and asking for Bud Light, it doesn't make sense to start selling Bud Light. If you have people coming in your tap room and asking for coffee that doesn't mean you should open up a coffee shop like it, it doesn't mean that you should go down a rabbit hole just because somebody is asking for that i in my opinion no i, I completely agree um and it would be nice if uh i mean i i remember it's just impossible not to think of um a quote that i'm sure you've heard before and i'm sure you know who said it and i'll let him claim responsibility for this but i remember a certain brewer said that uh, people used to come into his tap room and say what's the closest thing you have to bud light and he would say not a damn thing but <laughs> here's some stuff you might like um and i think that's the right answer uh and um i think that having a deliberate tap room is something that is so rare to see now i mean i feel like sometimes it's just like let when you go into uh, uh, some of these tap rooms, it's just like we drilled some holes in our cooler. Um, uh, you know, here, just, you know, drink these beers, pass money, thanks, you know, uh, that's it. And I, I, you know, some of the, some breweries like that are phenomenal and are great to hang out at. When you're mm-hmm. just like, we're just these crazy brewers who, you know, are just, we don't give a shit about a tap room. Holy shit, you're here yeah. to buy the beer? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- those are those are fantastic. But some, right. sometimes it's just like, okay, you guys spent a lot of money on signing this place, uh, but somehow you didn't spend a lot of money on how the beer is served. <laughs> I went to Columbus Brewing Company uh, the other weekend, and I was just struck by how serious they were about serving beer and how like, oh, we calibrate every sing- the, the carbonation of every single tap handle. And, you know, if you go out on the patio, we got these stainless steel pints that you can you can take out there because we don't want the beer to get skunked <laughs> for the 10 minutes it That's takes awesome. you to drink it and it's just like you know the we we have all these you know taproom exclusive beers that we don't send out for distribution and you know we have you know our but our all our flagships are on too and like there's no fucking tvs uh even if you want to watch football on a saturday uh <laughs> it's like guys i mean, I mean there, there's one and we were able to watch it but it's like i liked that i had to feel like an asshole to Try and watch some non-Ohio State football. It's it's everything that everybody loved about Blank Slate when it was open. You walked in, there was one mm-hmm. TV, and you had to sit all the way down together and you know, <laughs> get away from the bar, get away, get away from us That's, if you really yeah. want to go watch TV. And like mm-hmm. it's this this very deliberate. Um, it's about the beer first, and this is who we are, and this is why we got into this business is to create this. Mm-hmm. And if you want something else. I'll, I'll recommend some places for you to go where you can get that other thing, but this is what we do and this is who we are. It's the same reason that I don't want to go to Burger King and get one of those freaking tacos because <laughs> Burger King's supposed to make burgers, you know? And and I feel it, it it's also, it's just that it is the, I mean, you make a lot of money selling beer you make. 
Um, and I think that that can be a very appealing prospect. And it's not something I've ever done. So I, I'm not here to criticize anyone for making that their business model. But if people stop buying the beer you make, you stop making as much money. And I think that, you know, trying to come up with ways to keep people coming to your tap room is, you know, perhaps not the most noble thing to do. But sometimes, you know, if you want to keep making, I don't know, I, I don't, I guess the, the, I don't really have a perfect answer to that question because I think it's easy for us to, to, right. To, right. to say like, oh gosh, I like going into like, you know, these breweries that, you know, are for one reason or another, very hard to duplicate. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I think it's right. I mean, I think there is something about taking beer seriously in your own, you know, place saying like, okay, you know, in this house, this house beer is first and this is where we make our beer that goes to other people and uh we take it very seriously in here um i think that that that's something you, i that now feels uh novel and i used to just assume that if i ever went to a brewery that i was drinking you know from my fridge if i ever went there it would be some kind of mecca right. and now now it just feels like it's just a bar that a lot of these places are just a bar that have a lot of taps at the same brewery. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good way to put it with some places. And, uh, and no, no one in Cincinnati, though. I well, just mean, like, in uh, my travels. We, we are very lucky in Cincinnati <laughs> to have what we have because I've been to some other cities, some other very big beer mm -hmm. cities, and I walk into some of these breweries. I'm like, oh, my God, this this is what I got excited about, like, this is this, oh, yeah. is this is not what I wanted this to be. This is a disappointment. I would say the biggest disappointment I ever got was when I went to Columbus Brewing Company, uh, the restaurant, which does not exist anymore, which had uh, no association with the brewery. And in <laughs> fact, they sued each other over the name. That's funny. And uh, it was funny. I went in there and like the, no one knew anything about the beer. There was no brewing equipment. <laughs> and they only had like three of their beers on. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> and like later I find out that like they, it was different owners uh, and they just had both inherited the name. <laughs> and, and you can look, you can look up that story. That is hilarious. But I remember going in there and be like, this is a great brewery. Can't wait to, to experience this. And it's just like, <laughs> like there's like, they had like 14 taps and only three of them were Columbus Brown. <laughs> I think I've been to other breweries that feel like that. Oh, my gosh. Even if that's not the way it is. <laughs> Michael, thank you very much. Thank um, you, Noam. For anybody who... Uh, likes to support local um there's a whole other fun way to do it and that is to uh, support beer from your local distributor your only local independent small fun distributor adina um and i'll put some links in the show notes for some of their brands and some of the things they're doing since brewcast the voice of since craft oh and i should tell you to uh support the gnome on patreon too because i'm really bad about talking about that <laughs> patreon.com slash the gnarly gnome 